Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. You know, it's hard to express, to, to find the Word that explains how significant, how big, how important marriage and family are. I mean, it's not that it's a key building block. It is the key building block to building a life, an individual life, to building a a home, to building a community, to building a culture. That's not just something I believe as a Christian. There's a mountain of sociological statistics that back that up. This is the big thing. Good home, bad home, abusive home, loving home... All homes have a profound impact on everything from an individual to an entire society. And the, and the weight of how big that is, is seen in God's Word. You know, I've, 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 I've kind of pointed out, directed you to see these first couple of weeks in Genesis 1 and 2, the topics that are found there. What, what did God put in Genesis 1 and 2? That's a question to answer. Because when we get to Genesis 3... Everything changes. I mean, it really changes big. And literally, every page of the Bible, the rest of the way, is responding to what happened in Genesis 3. So God's got two chapters here. says, hey, here's what you have to have to go forward. Here's what you're going to need to hold on to, to anchor to, to build on in what's going to happen in Genesis 3 and beyond. And we see five things. Five things in Genesis 1 and 2. Number one, there's a God. Number two, he made everything. Number three, making everything includes making you. God made you. Your identity, your, your purpose is going to come by and through him. And then number four, the Sabbath. Every time I list this, I think, gosh, the Sabbath doesn't seem as big and broad as those other things. But, but when we looked at the Sabbath and realized what it is, hey, maybe this is more important in going forward into a Genesis 3 world than we recognize or acknowledge. And then number five, our, our, our topic today, it is marriage. Big, a big hunk of Genesis 1 and 2 is marriage. Most people get married. Do you know that's still true today? In a day where we have the, the average age of people getting married is just skyrocketing. It's, it's going up and up and, and up. And of course, part of the reason for that is because you have more people than ever before choosing not to get married at all. And while those are record numbers, it's still true that most people are going to experience marriage. Let's look today and see what God had in mind for you and I to experience if we went down the road of marriage. Would you turn with me in your Bible to Genesis chapter 2? Genesis chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 18, and 20, 18 to 25. And uh, today, kind of like last week, I'm going to read the Genesis passage and then we're going to go immediately to another passage. And that's Matthew chapter 19. 
Matthew chapter 19. So Bible app, Bible, see if you can get those two places found, uh, and we're going to read them together. While everybody's looking, I uh, want to say welcome to all, all of our guests. I imagine with Mother's Day, we've got a few extra in here today, and we're sure glad you're here. Also, I always like to give people a context of why are we turning to the passage we're turning to. We're in a series in Genesis. We're five weeks in, and we got a, a whole lot more weeks to go. We're going to be in, in Genesis pretty much for the rest of the year. But uh, that's why we're turning to Genesis chapter 2 today. So Genesis 2, let me begin in verse 18. It says, Then the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And then the man said, this is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man." Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, if you would go to the Matthew chapter 19 passage. And the reason I'm reading this is because we're going to now see Jesus use the passage I just read. It's important to know the distance between when this was written and when Jesus is using it. Because things change, right? I mean, 1,500 years is the difference between when Moses wrote Genesis 1 and 2 and when Jesus uses Genesis 1 and 2. Gosh, think how much things would change in 1,500 years from one generation to the next. Ideas change. Yeah, you know, we just don't do it that way anymore. Hey, we don't see it that way anymore. We don't look at it that way anymore. Man, that's just life. That's just living on earth. Things change. So kind of with that in mind, now look at what Jesus does with the passage we just read. Matthew chapter 19, and I'm going to begin in verse 3. And the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read, He who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Genesis chapter 1. And he said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, Genesis chapter 2. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And they said to him, well, then why did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, because of your hardness of heart. Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. So clearly we have a a group of religious people. They're dealing with an issue in that day and time, and there's various ideas developing about what we can do and not do. And if we're religious, then we're supposed to pretend like 
I should probably see what God has to say about this. I should check in with God. And, and so they, they come to Jesus and say, hey, what do you think God would say about this? And where does Jesus send them? He sends them to Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. It appears that Jesus believes that Genesis is still a source for an answer. As a matter of fact, much more than a source, but an authoritative source for an answer. Jesus sends them all the way back to the beginning. And they, get a, they give a little kickback to that and say, well, wait, wait, what about this? And why this? And what was Jesus' response there? From the beginning, it was not so. From the beginning, it was not so. What, what does that mean? It means, hey, there's a designer and he gave us a design. Go back to the design. You know, I think Jesus here actually kind of rises above the question and he, and he gets up to a place where my answer is intended to answer all questions, to answer all variants because we're people and we're going to come up with a lot of questions and we're going to come up with a lot of variants to the design that the designer has given. Why do we do that? Because of our hardness of hearts. That sounds like a little bit of a slam, doesn't it? I got that I've got a hard heart. Hey, that's the reality in this world. Man, we go, we go through difficult things. People hurt us. People abuse us. Sometimes the people that we're, are not supposed to hurt and abuse us. Sometimes the people that are supposed to love us and be faithful and true and good. And then there's just life in general, not just inside the home, but we get outside the home and we go through different experiences. We go through different pains and man, we can get a hardness there. And in that hardness, we start to want to fight the design. We start, we want to start fighting the designer. And, and you know, I'm a church going person, so I've got to say, well, now what is, what does God think about this? And that's where we hear Jesus say, go back to the design. You know, it, it, it speaks directly to today. Uh, and you know, it, I, I've said this before, and I don't mean to be harping on it, but it keeps being said. You know, I don't think Jesus even addressed homosexuality. Jesus didn't address same-sex marriage. It probably wasn't that big of a deal to him. He never once mentioned it. He certainly didn't address non-binary. I don't think they had that word. And to all that, I would say, yes, he did address it. He addressed it right here. And folks, think of the question. The question is, can I divorce my wife for whatever reason I want to? Look at Jesus' answer and verse 4 of chapter 19. He says, he starts with the answer saying, God made them male and female. Well, wait a minute. That has nothing to do with my question. I I, I didn't ask how he made people. I said, can I divorce my wife for whatever reason I want? And look what Jesus does. In that answer, I think you see him rising above the specific question and saying, I'm going to give you an answer that is going to apply to all of the questions and variance. It speaks to everything that you as an individual or humanity is going to come up with. And to all questions, I say, God made them male and female. Go back to the design. Go back to the design. This is what God has for us. Now, there's not a command to get married. Okay. I don't have to get married, but if I want to get married, there's a design. There's not a command to have sex, but if I want love and I want sex, there is a design 
for doing that. You know, I, I think some in our culture, probably many in our culture, would listen to a statement like that and say, but you know, you're not, you're not acknowledging how some people are made. Or you're not acknowledging real thoughts and feelings inside them. Or you're against people being finding love and experiencing love. I'm, I'm not against people finding and experiencing love. I hope everybody finds and experiences love. But if we're going to pursue that through the route of marriage, I have to echo the words of Jesus. There's a design. Pursue the design. God is giving an answer and a direction He's not against anybody. He's saying, hey, listen, in your brokenness and hardness, you'll fight the design. You'll fight the designer. So I'm telling you out of love, I'm telling you that for your good, you've got to pursue the design. That's what's good for you as an individual. And that's what's good for society. Because guess what? When I do things as an individual, sometimes people may watch me and think, oh, I can do that too. And so I'm not just doing something myself, but I'm giving an example to others. And to all of that, Jesus says, pursue the design. You know, I realize I'm starting today using this passage and in, a, in a different way than I usually use Genesis 2, 18 through 25. I've, I've probably, this passage, I've probably ranks in my top, I don't know, 15 or 20 passages I've preached on multiple times, taught on multiple times. And, and for good reason, it's a, it's a very important passage. And today I'm, I'm going in a little different direction. I mean, instead of unwrapping the beauty of marriage, we're, we're answering questions about same sex or polyamory. I mean, polyamory doesn't get the headlines that a, a lot of things are getting today. But don't, don't mistake that. It's in the courts. It's in multiple courts in the United States right now. And it is coming because by our thinking and by our legal system, there's no, there's no ability to say, you know, I don't think, I don't think multiple people two or more beyond two people is going to work in a civil union or marriage. But, it, but it's coming. And as we got all of these questions out there and these designs and you and I are trying to figure out, hey, what do I do? What do, how am I to think about this? How am I to respond? Man, we, we've got to go to God's word for an answer. I want this to be a place at, at the heights. Agree or disagree with me. Agree or disagree with the church. At least you see us attempting to open God's word and see what it's speaking, what it's saying about questions and issues going on in our culture today. I mean, that, that, that's why we have God's Word. We need to turn to it for these very things. Now, we do want to take some time and kind of unwrap the beauty of this passage. And there's so much there. And I've already burned up a little bit of time to getting to all that's in Genesis 2. Guys, just one phrase has so much in it. That, that phrase, a helper fit for him. A helper fit for him. You know, I, I've heard people say and, and kind of you know, right out of the page. Boy, here's the wrongness of the Bible because it puts the woman in a lesser position by calling her a helper. I, I have a wife. Y'all, many of you know her, Karen, and her one goal in this life is to be my little helper. You know, whatever I need done, Karen's there to help me get it done. And we hear that as kind of a demeaning word, as kind of sliding her into a, a lesser position right from the get-go in the Bible. Now, listen, I understand why we might hear that word in our language and in our culture, but our language and culture 
is not where we go to to understand what God is saying here. We go to the original language. We go to the culture that it was written in. And that's where we understand what that word helper is. And there is nothing demeaning or less than about it. Not one, not one bit. As a matter of fact, the word helper in the Bible is applied to God more than it is any one person. Exodus 18 verse 4. Deuteronomy 33, verse 7, Psalm 20, verse 2, Psalm 22, verse 19, Psalm 46, verse 1. I can keep going. Every one of these passages referring to God as our, as my helper. We get to the New Testament. Jesus is in John 14, 16. Jesus is in the upper room. The crucifixion is taking place the next day. You know, they're doing the whole Lord's Supper thing. There's a lot of teaching that goes on in that time. And Jesus says, I'm getting ready to go back to the Father. And I'm not, I'm not going to leave you alone. When I, when I get back to the Father, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and He's going to be your helper. The, the scripture just not, is just not using this word in a demeaning, less than, not quite equal way. It's just wrong to say that. And then, of course, we have the context of Genesis 1 and 2, where God's already made it very clear that the woman is equally made in the image of God. The woman equally carries dominion over the earth with, with the man, Eve with Adam. So there's just no equality. There's no lesser than situation that is being played out here. You know, what's interesting is to understand what that word helper actually means. You know, you can use help or think of help in a couple of ways. You know, if I was, if I was talking to one of you this week and we were on the phone and we were talking about what we're going to do this weekend. Aha, I've got to, I've got to paint the deck. That's what I'm doing this weekend. And you said, oh man, I'm not doing anything. Let me come over and help you. Oh, that's great. Come over and help me paint the deck. Now, do I need you to paint the deck? No, I don't need that. I can do that by myself. But when you come and help, I'm going to have your company, camaraderie. It's going to go faster and it's going to go easier. Isn't that what help does a lot of times? Helps things go a little faster and a little easier. That is not the word we're talking about right here. No, no, it's a very different word. It's not a help me go faster and easier. It's a help me do something I can't do without you. Now, I want you to understand how this is. We're not talking that this is what all females do for males or all males do for females. We're not talking about all of the variety of relationships that we can end up in life. We're talking about marriage. Okay, the way, the way this word is being used, is being played out in Genesis 2, is inside the design of a marriage. It's a man and a woman in a marriage. And the woman is going to be a helper. She is going to bring something to the table that Adam cannot do alone. And vice versa. Adam's going to bring something to the table that Eve cannot do alone. In other words, in the relationship of marriage, by its design, there is something very specific that a male brings. And there's something very specific that a woman brings. There is something that the male is missing and the woman fills that. There's something that the female is missing and the man fills that. Inside of a marriage, that's the design. And that's why God would say, not out of anger, not out of hate, out of love, I've got a design and, and you, 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 it works when there's a male and there's a female. 
You, you can't change, you can't adjust. It's one male, it's one female, and that's how the design works. It got what God is building here is a relationship where they are equally, mutually interdependent on each other. And I'll, I'll give you a little piece of marriage advice here, just using this one word. Every week, every week, starting tomorrow morning, Say, God, would you open my eyes, and this is to married people, open my eyes to see what she brings that I can't be, can't do without. And likewise, the wife would say, God, open my eyes, let me see this week something very specific I can't be, I can't do without him. And then when God shows you that, you got to acknowledge it. Okay, there, God, there it is. And then you go to your spouse and you acknowledge, hey, God just showed me something I can't be or do without you. And then give them thanks. You do that, I can promise you right now, you'll revolutionize your marriage. So I've got a pretty good marriage. You don't have a concept of how good your marriage could be if we just work off this one idea. Every single week. See, hey, here's what the male brings. Here's what the female brings. And appreciate that. And and that is God's design. We each bring something. You know, in the context, obviously that's going to start with making children alone. You need an Adam and an Eve to do that, right? But it's not just in making children. It's in raising children. God has a design. There is something that a male, that a father brings to the equation. There's something that a female, a mother brings to the equation. And they they need both. You know, I had uh, my my wife and daughters this weekend went went to a wedding, real close friends of ours. Uh, I said, no, I'm going to be at church with my close friends there. But uh, they they went on down to this wedding. And so I, I have the grandkids. And uh, I was telling, and the son-in-laws were there too. But uh, I had the grandkids, so I was telling Karen some of the things I was going to do with them, you know, alone. I'm going to take all three and we're going to be doing these very things. And she says to me, in a little bit in an authoritarian way, she says, please be careful. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, honey, I, I don't need to be told to be careful. I said that. I'm sitting in my closet putting on my shoes. I said, I don't, I don't, you know, I raised four kids. They're all still here. You know, I, it, it, and by the way, a little blood is okay. I think some moms need to hear that out there. A li- not a lot, but a little bit. Now, Louise did give a little bit this, this weekend, but, uh, you know, hey, that's, that, that's the perfect design right there. It's mom's job to be say be careful and it's dad's job to not be that careful right that's what raises kids they need both of those things hey you may 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 sound silly folks this is exactly what god is saying okay there's something that both of you bring and what do we do we fight our differences man if we can learn to see and acknowledge and appreciate the differences and it's not just in making children and raising children gosh even in decision making Man, when you're making decisions, I I should be able to see. I should be praying for. Hey, what does the female perspective bring to this? What does the male perspective? Or in my case, Lord, I know what I'm bringing to this. What is Karen bringing to this? And it's not, not, I'm not talking about compromise. 
I'm not talking about seeing both of your ideas in the decision. I'm talking about appreciating knowledge, how God has designed each of us and what role that design brings in the decision. Folks, just off of this, that's what we're to be looking at. A helper, and that's paired with fit for him. It literally means according to his opposite. She is the counterpart. What does that mean? Well, it's all the stuff I just said is what it means. It, 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 it means as socially, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, we, we fill the gaps for each other. Again, that's not a comment about all relationships that males and females will have in this world. It is a comment about the marriage relationship. This, when, when Jesus says pursue the design, this is what he's talking about here. So we have, uh, again, there's so much more in this passage than I can dive into today. But if you just picture God, I I keep using the word designer. Let's think of him as a baker for a moment. He's telling us how to bake, how how to make a marriage. And we got the mixing pot here. And what do we put into the mixing pot? Genesis chapter 1 and 2 says put a male and put a female. 1,500 years later, Jesus says, well, you put a male and you put a female because that's how God made them. And you know what? We can have real thoughts and feelings that that don't line up with that design, that that, that don't line up with those urges. And those are real. And, And I believe God has help for those. But if I'm pursuing a marriage, Jesus would say, go to the design Go to the recipe. So there's a, a male that goes in. There's a female that goes in. There's a leaving. You, you got to put in about a quart of leaving. What's leaving? Well, I, you know, I leave mom and dad. You know, while it points to the mom and dad is because that's kind of the dominant relationship in life before we get into a marriage. It's not just mom and dad. I leave other dependencies, other financial, other emotional, other physical, uh, uh, all other dependencies. That doesn't mean I don't still have friends and relationships, but this is a profound change in my life. This, this is a very unique relationship where I am going to mutually, we are going to mutually depend upon each other like we've never depended or never will again depend on anybody else. Will we depend on others? Yes, but not like this. So there is a leaving of all of them. And then there's a cleaving. Man, we're going to hold on to each other. And oneness is going to be our constant goal. Oneness. You know, you're, you're making oneness or hurting oneness every single day. There's never been a day of marriage where you're not impacted. The way you talk to each other draws in or pushes away. The way you make decisions draws in, pushes away. I mean, everything you're doing, and you got, I got to constantly be asking myself, hey, did the way I say that create oneness? Or did the way I say that maybe just put a little distance in the relationship? Yeah, that's, that's always going on. See, God says, hey, oh, you're building a marriage. No, no, no. You got to put oneness in. That, that, that's got to that's be the goal. And then you got to put in a two courts of forever. This is, this is a lifelong commitment. It's what makes it work. This kind, I'm not saying all relationships, but boy, this relationship, for it to really work, you, you've got to go into it with kind of a forever mentality. You know, we're, we're, we're going to do this together forever. The one goal, good, bad, and ugly, is still to be holding hands and working on oneness 40, 50, 60 years down the road. 
That, that's the goal. So that, you do with it. What is marriage? Can I do this? Can I have that? You go to the recipe. You, you, you go to the design. And you look at what God is giving us here. Hey, you know what? We, we, we all want love and sex. And marriage is going to be a good place to find love and sex. But you know, that's not all marriage is about. And that's not all that goes into the recipe. And when we get to the New Testament, really starts to add something profound. Marriage is my best opportunity to grow in Christ-likeness. Marriage is my best opportunity to practice being like Jesus. You you know, I'm supposed to practice. Y'all have heard me say this before, right? I'm, I'm supposed to practice being like Jesus with everybody. You're supposed to practice being like Jesus with everybody. The enemies, the friends, the strangers, extended family. Yes, especially extended family. Immediate family. Yeah, with everybody, I need to practice being like Jesus. You ever gotten worn out practicing being like Jesus? The answer is yes. Some people make it really hard to practice being like Jesus, don't they? Yeah, and so, I mean, here God's not okaying this. We're just talking right now reality, right? So every now and then, you know, I got an individual. I just think in my mind, yeah, I'm done practicing being like Jesus with you today. I'm... Gonna go ahead and head on home. Maybe tomorrow I'll try again. Maybe next week I'll try again. Hey, every now and then, let, let's get let's get real honest. Every now and then we got somebody say, I'm just done practicing being like Jesus with you. I will see you in heaven. <laughs> that by the way, that's not an invitation to send them there. Okay? But you know, sometimes we get so that's a reality. So you know what marriage is? This is not the most romantic definition. Marriage is the one person you practice being like Jesus with, period. You don't quit. And our spouse can make it hard to practice being like Jesus. But I've got to have one person I can't quit. You know why? Because Jesus never gets to quit being Jesus. Jesus has never once gotten to four in the afternoon and said, Okay, Randy, I'll be back in the morning. (laughs) You have... Warn me out being Jesus in your life. I'll, I'll check with you in the morning. Not one time, not one time in all of my failures with him, in all my rejections of his design, in the ways I fight who he is and what he is, sometimes on a daily basis, the things I say for, sorry for over and over. You, you ever say, God, Lord, I'm so sorry. And then pretty soon you say, hey, Lord, not only I'm sorry, I'm sorry that I never really actually change. I'm not repentant one bit. I got a little bad feeling in my belly, but I'm going to do it again. And Jesus never stops loving, never stops forgiving, never stops serving. So where am I really growing in Christ's likeness if there's not at least one place I can't quit loving, serving, and forgiving no matter much how much they don't deserve for me to love and serve and forgive. You won't ever really appreciate how much you're loved and forgiven and served until you try to do this. And then you realize, oh my gosh, Christ, you never quit. This is such a powerful relationship. And this is why the Bible says, this is why God says, Hebrews 13, 4, you've got to honor marriage. Now, that's not just a statement to you, an individual, that you need to honor your marriage. That's a statement to every person. 
married, unmarried. I've been married. I'm not getting married again. Wherever you are in the realm, all of us have to honor marriage. Do you honor marriage when you talk about marriage? Do you honor marriage when you talk about your spouse? Do you honor marriage in how you pray for it? Do you honor marriage in how you think about it and converse about it in a culture that has spent a lot of time talking about marriage the last few years? You and I have a command on our lives to honor marriage. And yes, I'm going to practice a lot of that with my own. But understand that command rises above just my marital status and my marriage. Pursue the design. You know, I want to I want to wrap up and not not just wrap up today's message, but just kind of kind of the last five weeks. You know, I think of statements I've made. Many of you have been here for all five weeks. Statements I've made about creation and science and today marriage. And, and we've talked about a lot of things going on in our culture and, and identifying. And, man, we're working through all these things. I've kind of made some authoritative statements. Where, where does that authority come from? Gosh, I sure hope you don't think it comes from me. We're not here today to understand, to get Randy's take on life and culture. We're not here today to get this church's take on life and culture. We're, we're here to know what God says. And God's given us a book to understand how we need to navigate the hardness of our heart. How we need to navigate the brokenness of the world that we live in. And you know what? I, I, I get it. I understand. Listen, most people don't read the Bible or believe it's the authoritative word of God, right? Here's an even sadder statement. Most people sitting in a church today in America do not read the Bible and do not believe it's the authoritative word of God. Just to say something here that I hope is obvious, we do. Here at the Heights, we do believe this is the authoritative word of God. And, and folks, I'm not just talking about one issue. All of us fight the designer. All of us fight the design. All of us give weight to our thoughts and our desires and our feelings because they're heavy. And there's a lot of times I'm going to follow what I'm thinking and feeling over what God has actually said. And all I'm doing is increasing the brokenness. The brokenness in my life, the brokenness in my home, and the, the brokenness in our culture. We have an authoritative word of God. The, the, the goal is not to look at the, the issues in my life and in my culture and see how I can get the Bible to line up with that. No, it was one goal. One goal. How do I get my life to line up with the design and the designer? And where maybe I have influenced a culture to line up with the design and the designer. It's not out of hate. It's not out of anger. It's out of love. It's out of our faith. It's out of our belief. We have such good reason for believing what we believe about the Bible, don't we? Historical evidence, uh, evidential, uh, practical reasons. How about this for a reason? Jesus believed the Bible. Did we not see that this morning? He was asked a question about what's going on in the culture and where did he send them? Genesis 1 and 2. And I think most of us, that's why we're here today, we, don't we believe this Jesus guy's like God? Like King? Like Lord? Like it's what he says and my job's to obey? My job is to trust. 
My job is to love. And he has spoken. Do do you realize what we give away when we give away the authority of the Bible? I still have to navigate a lot of hurt. I still have to navigate a lot of brokenness. I still got a lot going on. And where do I get answers now? How do I navigate and work through this? Well, I'm, I'm really, I'm left with two things now. My thoughts and feelings and popular opinion. Now, folks, I, I'm not here to bash my thoughts and feelings or popular opinion because sometimes they're right, right? Haven't your thoughts and feelings been right sometimes? Yeah, I hope so. And you know what? Our culture has been right sometimes. So it's not always wrong. But you know, here's the crazy thing. Even when it's right, it changes. <laughs> you know, you, th- you think about our culture. Our culture, popular opinion, has held ideas that were awful and evil. Right? As a culture, we all agreed this is okay. And it was awful and it was evil. And we changed, praise God. We changed some of those ideas that we held. And you know what? As a culture, we've had some ideas that were very, really very right. Man, this is incredible. As an entire nation, as a people, we hold to these, these truths, these moral ideas, and we changed. Sometimes we're changing bad things to good. Sometimes we're changing good things to bad. Uh, even when we're right, we, we're all over the... How do I make a decision? My thoughts and feelings are right, but they're also wrong. Not will be wrong, or not can be wrong, but will be wrong. Man, I'm, I'm navigating important things here. I'm making decisions that really count. I don't want to be all over the map. I don't want to find out that I made it based on this, and then my thoughts change or culture change. Now what do I do? You see what God's given us? A light, a path, a clarity, a design. And coming from the designer, he's uniquely qualified Not in hate and anger, but in love to say, hey, that doesn't work. That's not how I built this. Hey, that does work. Hey, I realize you've been through these things. Thoughts and feelings are not lining up. But hear Jesus say, look at Genesis 1 and 2. Honor marriage. What marriage? What marriage did Jesus tell us to honor? The one in Genesis 1 and 2. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Bible. I I thank you for all that it it, it shows us about life and life eternal, life and death, marriage, divorce, sexuality. Thank you for all that it teaches about my worth, my, my personhood. Lord, thank you for what it teaches us about money. What it teaches us about people who make us angry and who do wrong. There's literally no place, God, where you've left us without a direction, without a design. Oh, Lord, I, I so rightly want to look at design, not just because I want to get an answer right, but, but because people are watching me. And I want them to see what I, what we are looking at, that there is an answer Oh, Lord, I want to live it so faithfully and consistently, and I don't. And I thank you that that there's Jesus who never stops being Jesus with me. He loves, he forgives, he serves, he never quits. 
I thank you that by the blood of Jesus, I am forgiven of all the places I fight you as the designer. All of the ways that I stray away from the design. Oh God, may I, may I not ever want to justify my, my breaking away. My doing, my own design, my own thing. God, put in my heart and our hearts a desire to keep coming back to you and your design, which you've shown us in your word. Again, thank you. Thank you. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray all this. Amen.